enough years that um, I've learned that a lot of this stuff is mouse nuts, you know, and people just deal with it. <laughs> okay. Emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms, how to avoid losing money, and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, here we are flowing through the year um, and what a year this has been. And, you know, I was uh, my annual uh, annual that I do in the late winter actually is spring kisses. Uh, speaking unplug was moved from month to month to month and fingers and toes and anything else I can cross. We will be able to pull off a live event at the end of June on the 26th, 27th. So let me give the date for all of you because the topic today is speaking. The topic today is how can you set yourself up to make a lot of money. The topic is how do you move all those cases of books that you might have sitting in your garage or your basement or closet or what? How can you move them very quickly and basically get full retail price with no refund worries about? If that's what something that you have interested in, this is what today's show is all about. So it's me solo. I'm going to be talking about speaking, um, how to, and it's going to be based on my book. If you don't have it, I'm going to encourage, no, I'm going to insist. All of you get this book. It's in audio, it's in uh, ebook, or it's in print book. Um, and my suggestion is you get the print and then you can get the ebook for like 99 cents or something like that. So you have both versions of it. The title, How to Create a Million Dollar speech, which is what I did more than once. So with that, I'm going to kind of take you on my own journey. I'm going to give you a lot of nuggets and tips to build that career. Uh, it took me to speaking in all 50 states into over 20 countries um, where I either did workshops or I did the keynote and I always sold books. Um, and this is I mean, to me, it is the number one way for you to get your wisdom, your sage advice, to connect with people, to create followers and fans. This is the way to do it. Um, and what's wonderful about uh, and, and, the, and, and let me just say this, the challenge that we've all had is we've been in, whether you want to call it, you know, uh, you know, lockdown, which is what a lot of us have felt, you know, staying in your own home. And yes, we've been doing Zooming and Skyping and everything else. The, the reality is that there is unbelievable magic that can happen face to face. When you are with others, and I'm not talking about being piled on top of people, I'm being in a, a collective room, a collaborative room where ideas start bouncing off or you get a chance to sit down one on one and someone says, you know, have you thought about this and that have you thought about this 
is the magic light bulb you were looking for. It does that doesn't happen on Zoom. It doesn't happen with all the cyber stuff. It is when you can connect one-on-one. And what was interesting, earlier this month, I did a live webinar on creating audiobooks. And I was amazed with the side comments that were coming on. It's like, oh, it's so good to really see you. See you having fun and laughing and connecting. And when can we do this in person? So this is in person, speaking Now, you can do webinars, and there are ways and methodologies, certainly, to connect. Because one of the things that I saw, and actually it was with a group, there must have been at least 40 professional speakers on this Zoom call, of which I would say 90% of them were inattentive, were doing other stuff. And that's the problem. That's one of the problems. So, um, just letting you know where I come, the, the first hint that I would become a speaker really started in the third grade. I was getting dings on my little report card from my teachers. I was eight years old and a motor mouth in the classroom. Who would have known at that time people would pay to hear and read my words when I grew up? And I bet some of you have had that experience, that that entity happening when you were. And then the other thing on a writing, at the same time, I always, always got in trouble for passing notes in class, always. And who would have known that that would lead to, at this point in time, as you are listening, 37 books later? Who would have known? Anyway, here we are in the setup. So why should you speak? It's a good question. Because the public in a specific sector Your potential fans, your target market, needs and wants your message, your smarts, your expertise, your storytelling capability, because you can solve problems and provide answers that a group or any one individual needs, and because you can meet amazing people, because you can go places you never imagined, because it can be enormously fun and exciting. And because you can sell lots of books, you can make money with your ideas, with the words that spill out of your mouth. So welcome to my world, one that I have lived in for over 40 years. That's a long time. Now, you also need to know that you're going to be in the minority. Approximately 10% of any given Population, any culture loves speaking to a group, just about any group. They have little to no fear and get a huge buzz speaking in front of a large crowd. But the size of the gathering doesn't matter. You know, it could be 10 people. It could be five people. It could be thousands of people. Yet only 10% of the population, the human population, likes to speak. The others... Lots are terrified, petrified to get in front. Others are willing to maybe stick a toe in the water, stick their neck out, start to learn a little bit of how you connect, how do you present, how do you structure your speech, but it takes some time, right? Those of us, <laughs> those of us who do not have what's called glossophobia speak. You don't want it. That's the fear of speaking. So that's where you go on. 
that you, well, it's a minority that likes to really get out there. And what I want you to understand is that you can do this. You can do this. The payoffs are terrific. I mean, you never know. You never know. I'll never forget the day that I was speaking in Vancouver, Washington. And I'd been speaking all day. I had, I had like seven different talks throughout the day at a facility, a hospital facility. And I, a woman caught my eye, you know, I was, I just, I tried so hard to connect with her and I couldn't connect with her. She was just kind of immobile almost catatomic and she sat in the front row and as a speaker you know you can feel you're trying to energize people you're trying to bring with them and it was very difficult when I was done at the day she stayed the whole day and as I was done I'm packing up and I noticed that she is gathering her stuff up and she took a piece of paper and she was writing on it and then she folded it and she approached me and I thought, oh, she she wants to talk. No, she tucked, she tucked a uh, this paper under my computer as I was interacting with someone else. But with that, you know, I I you know just thought strange, and I watched her uh, just leave quietly, leave. As I finished gathering up and packing up, my husband was with me at that time. He traveled with me and handled our book sales. Um, we were walking out, and I had slipped the paper, you know, got the computer put away, all the cords, make sure that we have all the cords, and and tucked uh, the paper in my pocket. And as we approached the car, I, you know, put everything away, and then I sat down, and I took it out and read it, and I just said, stop, John, we have to go back. And I tried to get a hold of the sponsors because basically this is what this letter said. Today was to be the last day of my life. And I had nothing better to do. I saw that you were speaking at the hospital. And so what I did is I just decided to, uh, you know, I had nothing better. I just thought I'd just go and hear you. And that I want you to know that I've decided to live that this is my last day of my life. So I tried to get a hold of the person who was my host, who brought me in. I described the woman. She obviously was a staff member. I assumed she was a nurse. And to reach out and saying, someone needs your help. You know, I did what I could do, and I read her the letter. And I said, but see if you could find her and reach out to her. So you never know. My point is you never, never know when what you're going to say, whether you don't have a direct conversation with another person, could make all the difference in the world to them, their family, their work, their lives. You never know. But that day in Vancouver, Washington, I was supposed to be there that day, talking about communicating, talking about resolving conflicts, giving them tips and strategies on how to do it, whether it was with managers and co-workers. So whatever your topic is, whatever your expertise is, and that could be how-tos, it could be business, it could be fill-in-the-blank, it could be this, you are just a phenomenal storyteller. 
you've got expertise. There's someone out there, and most likely a lot of someones, who are waiting to hear you. I'm Judith Bryles. I'm the Book Shepherd. We'll be right back, and I will dig into how to build a speaking career. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out... You will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author U extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author U is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author You today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so speaking, getting started, and where do you start on this besides saying, I want to speak? Well, I'm going to suggest you need to take a peek at your uh, website. And I think it's really important that there has got to be some obvious place. And I always suggest for the authors I work with, a speaking tab. In the speaking tab, you're going to have uh, topics that you speak on. And I like to suggest you give, a, you know, have your title, give a one or two lines about what this is about, and a couple of bullet points of what they can take, take away. What are the takeaways? Um, for audiences, because meeting planners are going to be looking at this. Second, I would have some introductions, maybe a short or an immediate introduction. And by the way, this is not full of all your credentials, not your alphabet soup, please. This is, uh, it, it could mention that, you know, certainly you're an author, that you have an expertise in this, um, and that you have, uh, maybe what your latest book is, that you might have something fun. Like for one of my introductions, it would say, Judith has spoken to groups, uh, like the Portola Valley 8th grade elementary school, the tank division of the U.S. Army, and 
the 5,000 oncology nurses. So, and the purpose of that is that it shows diversity, that I can stretch myself. I can, the tank division is primarily men. I can handle that. The kiddos, I can handle. Or nurses, um, I can handle. So if you've got that, perfect. Um, on that. If you've got any credentials, for example, that deals with media exposure, you know, I, I say on mine, I've been featured from the Wall Street Journal to the People magazine, from Oprah to blah, blah, blah. Uh, and if that's not you, then of course, don't put that in there. But if you've got that kind of thing, people want those. So introductions are essential on that. I have on my speaking tab, and you can see that on the bookshepherd.com, that I have on a questionnaire that I like my uh, uh, host sponsor to complete. It gives me an idea of what percentages of men and women, what kind of age range, what the objectives are, etc. And I actually give them a room set up preference. Sometimes you don't get to choose how this room is set up, but when you are in control, go for it because it does make a difference. And one thing I will suggest to you is that that the last thing you want is a bowling alley type thing where you have People on the left and people on the right in all straight rows. That bowling alley is kind of an energy sucker that will pull energy away from you when you have that open thing. So what I did, my trick is always I would take the first two rows and I would close them up and create another little entry aisle separate. I, I It's notorious for rearranging rooms. And um, I would do it two little entryways but have them oddball so that you, I had a full close and in front of me, um, although I always moved around on the stage that, or, or in the front of the room, that I had people. I didn't want that bowling alley suck that happens, right? So that kind of thing. So, um, and I would have that set up. So you want a speaking tab? Do you want to have pictures of you speaking? Uh, do a mock-up for heaven's sakes. And actually we do that at our Speaking Unplugged event. I have a professional photographer there and we put a mic in every participant's hands and we take professional photos, a couple of shots that they can use of them like speaking to a crowd. I'm telling you it's gold when you have that. All right. Now, what else should you have? You need to know exactly who your favorite audience is. Where do you ideal speak? Where do you get your juice from and, you know, the energy comes from? And I remember one time uh, a fellow called me saying, we would really love to have you do um, uh, speak at our group. And I said, well, I'd love to, Dwayne. So, you know, which which is it and when is it? Um, and time of day. so he gave me all these things and it turned out it was an evening thing. And I said, you know, evening is not the best for me. It's not that I can't do it. I've just found people don't want heavy information in the evening. They want to have fun. They want to have fun. Um, and so I told him that. And I said, so when did you hear me speak? And he says, oh, you did the opening keynote, you know, at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I said, it's a different audience at 9 versus 7. 
So I'll, I'll recommend a few people for you. So I think it's really important to know who your right audience is. And for me, I learned early on that I didn't want to speak for attorneys. They were hard work. I had to spend so much time um, qualifying myself. That was fun. And that, um, and I looked younger than what I am. And so I had to get out very quickly that I had three teenagers. So it would age me very quickly. Um, I had to, I didn't speak for school teachers because they talked when I talked. That wasn't fun either. And, um, and I didn't work for government. So, and, and I didn't speak for men after dark. So that, that was my criteria. And people always laughed when I'd say that. But the reality is you have to know who your right audience is. And, and if there's a certain time that you're best at, perfect. And when I was hired to do a keynote to set the stage uh, or the close to wrap it up, I always made sure, and this is really number one tip for all of you here, make sure that you go in. If it's a, if you're the solo speaker, that's one thing. But if there is a multiple days going on, you best get there at least the day before so you can interact start interacting with people so you can in, you can get a gist of what's going on you will pick up things that maybe you hadn't thought about um that you might want to use within your presentation uh one time i was in uh, corona del mar in california and i was doing the closing uh closing session for a group of ceos in high tech and i went to the barbecue and a lot of them had their spouses and there were some little kids uh there the night before and i went i went around and said hello to all the spouses and i took pictures and if they had kiddos especially babies i took pictures too and i incorporated that in cuz i was talking about i had a communication module in that closing session and i was talking about communicating in relationships and i started bringing them up and i when i invited i said you know what you're welcome to come it's the first time they'd ever had a standing room only closing session. And I'm telling you, closing sessions, you're lucky to have half the audience that was there on the first day. So those are little tricks that you can pick up. Now, with this game plan, it's who's your audience. And then, you know, what's the theme of the, of the group that they're going for, they want you to do. And you have to make sure that you start off with your key points. And I always think, you know, you can start off your, and for nonfiction authors, by the way, your key points are going to be your chapters, people. Right? Just make it easy for you as you structure your speech. So what's a story? Or an amazing stat or something that has been in breaking news that you can bring in and you can share um, and push out that everyone will go, oh, my gosh. And by the way, that could be something that happened in the movie theater if you've seen a movie or on your television or in a series uh, for example, because I worked for 20 years speaking at hospitals and and uh, uh, management retreats and as well association meetings for groups of individuals who worked in the hospital, that um, I knew that, just with a little digging, that there were certain shows that they loved, they recommended, they did with those kind of things. And I made sure I read about them, I watched them. I was present so I could bring out an example to support my key points when relevant. When you do that, you connect even further. They really start thinking to you, 
she or he gets us. They know us. Um, and sometimes inside stuff comes up this way, but it's really important to understand this, uh, to go where your audience goes, to hang out where your audience goes on that. So stories are really crucial on that. And then another crucial thing is that you've got to think about, you want to do your opening and your closing. You want to have those nailed. You want to have those down. And for every talk, and I had like 20 different talks, I had a different opening story that would tie in with that, that would support the points as I started to flow through. And I usually used humor. Um, I did not tell jokes. And I'm going to tell you, don't. Uh, people have heard jokes over and over again, and they're going, really, really? Stories make a difference. Now, a story can happen when you were in kindergarten, by the way. It could be a story that that happened last week, but something that's relevant that you could work on that will come in, and then you do the loop uh, into your presentation. When I used to speak about my book, The Confidence Factor, um, and I usually did that with, with large groups of women that I always opened with a story about how my underwear fell off at, when I got out of a car going into a speaking gig. All right. I'm talking about confidence. Let me tell you, I lost my confidence. It self-esteem went down into the concrete. Now I couldn't tell anyone about it because I was so humiliated, so embarrassed for so many years. But I started using it and the loop was as I went through the story and they're laughing and they're having a good time and I can't tell you how many people came up to me afterwards and said, you know, that happened to me, something like that. That happened to my mom. She, you know, she did this, that, um, I connected with them. Uh, and, and the loop for the confidence factor is that sometimes when you go through a dismal experience, your self-esteem goes into the toilet. So for the rest of our talk, I'm going to give you my 10 points to rebuild, recreate, and soar with your confidence. So that's the segue, something like that, when you use those kind of, of humbling, humbling stories that you are the butt of the story. And I'd recommend that you have something like that. You need to have pictures on on your website that shows you that. And I'm going to tell you, do not, do not, do not say, this is what I speak for. This is what my fee. Nope. Nope. You're going to set yourself up as an expert. And then you're going to do your homework to figure out what other speakers like you are getting. And there are tricks and tips on doing that. So I will dig into those a little bit more as we go through our program today. But we're going to take our next break. This is Judith Bryles. I have spoken, as I said in the beginning, to 50 country, to 50 states, 20 countries. I'll give you more when we get back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. 
you get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryle's Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right. One of the things that you also need on your, this is a must, people, uh, is on your speaking tab is I want you to create a speaker one sheet. Now, in, in my book, How to Create a Million Dollar Speech, I have chapter eight, details out, step by step by step, how to create a speaker one sheet. I actually show you composites of mine. I do little updates, but this is where your branding comes into play. So it'll really have uh, a good pop to it. And you'll, you'll bring that together. And then the other thing is that you want to have a good image of you. You want to have a brag. And here's one of the big, uh, faux pas I see on most of these speaker one sheets and author one sheets, book one sheets. Too many words. Too many words. And it's like line after line after line after line, new paragraph, line after line after line after line, new paragraph, line, no, stop. What you need is five to six lines, really kind of max. This is your brag statement, how you bring it in, how you put it together. Um, that this is where you uh, establish your authority, your expertise. You're going to throw out a few numbers. Maybe you've spoken to a thousand audiences. Uh, maybe you have sold a million copies of your books. I'm, you know, I'm pushing it here. But do something. People re- and when you do numbers, don't spell them out. Uh, you use numbers. People remember numbers in that area. So you have that. And then what you want to do is have a really good image. You know, this is your, you, you, a good image, but you want to have it, um, that establishes your brand, put your branding. So you're going to have colors into play. Maybe you're doing something. Maybe you're speaking at a group. I mean, I don't know, but it, it needs to be good, good. You want to have contact information. I'm talking about phone numbers and emails and websites there. Uh, you want to have a few testimonials that and be selective. You don't have to have 27 of them. You just have a few. Um, and then you have those. So you bring those into play. All right. So you have a little bit of, of those kind of things. You don't have to print on both sides, but when you do produce this, you want to have a PDF up on your, your website. And you also, I would suggest you have some printed off and you do it on high end, like a hundred weight gloss. Uh, so you will have them when you're out there on your table, you know, with your book. 
that you're signing, that people can take that and encourage them to uh, use them, share them with other people who could be bringing you in in that area. Um, so that now the other thing is that you want to keep in is that it's always essential and I'm I'm always amazed I was watching when the pandemic started and all of a sudden speaking gigs were canceled 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 and um, everyone you know thought that they were going to die now uh, and not from COVID but from they will never get paid. They But if they had a contract, guess what? You will get paid. It's in your contract. Now, my uh, my deal and my contract, and in, in Chapter 13, I go into detail of what the elements, I sh- actually, I give you all my contract, uh, the elements of why it is in there and how I cover myself. But, for example, I, 50%, whenever I booked a gig, I got 50%, so I'm already halfway paid. And then I there was a clause in my contract of, you know, certainly of what the client was responsible for um, and all that. But also there was I had a cancellation if there was a cancellation. And I and I could tell you in 40 years of speaking, I only had uh, maybe two cancel. And it was because of their internal things cancel. So. Um, and sometimes, you know, the meeting had to be postponed. I remember back in 2008 when, you know, the mortgage crisis hit. A lot of stuff. Corporations were canceling right and left. And things were being shut down. Well, I had a clause in there that if anything was canceled 125 days before the event, and it said 125 days before whatever the date was, that, you know, I would get paid. Now, I always would, you know, was empathetic. I just said, well, you know, should we, should we just defer it out and, and then get rescheduled here and another few months down the road? They always said, yes, let's do that. Let's see how it, it plays out. And I only had one say, you better take the money now because we don't know where we're going to be. Okay. So we did that, but I it was very clear because the reality is once you start speaking four months before an event, you're most likely not going to get another booking to fill in that date because what you learn, especially with associations, and I did mostly association-related speaking, is that it was uh, uh, a year. Bookings were a year to two years out. That's how far they would go in that process. So what are some of the components that you need in a contract? And I'm talking about a written contract. You can email it to it, but you want it back. I never considered it a gig a gig a firm gig until that written contract and the deposit was back in my offices. So you're going to start with, it's going to be the engagement to, to bring you in. Now you may not even know the topic yet so that you, you, if you don't know the topic yet, what it would do is it would come back in and that you would have to uh, be a TB to be determined, TBD, and that's fine. Um, a lot of a lot of groups do that. They just want you, so they want to get the date firm. Fine, that's just fine. Money is essential. So if you have your fee, and if it, this is always a question: what What should I charge? What should I charge? Always, that's always a good question. So you've got to, you know, you, and, and also, uh, do I ever do anything for free? 
Yep. I always did things for free. I had pro bono things that I did because I, you know, I was on a board for a group or it was something that was near and dear to my heart and I wanted to support it. Or I donated my entire fee back as a fundraiser for them that would support them because the, I was the draw to bring in other people. You can do a variety of things or there's just a set fee. You show up. So on the fee, let's say your fee is uh, newbies start off in, in, uh, if you're, if you're, uh, a children's author and you're going into a school or you're doing a group, you're lucky to get 500, I will tell you, unless you're, you know, the Newberry winner. You're lucky to get 500, but you do sell books. That's another thing because they send out flyers with all the kiddos. You know, Janie Smith is coming in. She's the author of blah, blah, blah. Um, and the kids Kids can order the books, um, and you can, you know, so each kid um, would have it. And I and I have always advised my authors that, you know, sometimes some kids can't uh, get the book, and I would have a couple um, and to uh, to give away to, and you'll and those little kids will pop out. You'll see them who they are. All right. The other thing is, and that you could go in and let's say that your fee is $3,000. So that means that they would pay you $1,500 when they sign the contract to bring you in. And the balance would be paid the day you're there. Sometimes they'll mail it before, but the balance is paid the day you're there plus any other expenses. So I would have, uh, I would have the book my hotel and put it on their credit card so I didn't have to deal with it. Um, and the air I would book myself. Because that, um, you're gonna, most of you will have a preferred air. Do not take, do not, do not, do not take comp tickets that someone's pitched in their frequent flyer miles because if this gets canceled, the air, say the flight's canceled, you are up a creek. Um, and that, that freebie ticket is worthless to you in trying to get there because your goal is to get there in time. I always recommend that you fly in at least the day before. Um, so they're, they're in plenty of time. And I never booked a flight unless there were two more flights um, with the airline I was on after that in case there was some mechanical problem. Um, I just learned all, all okay. I even had in my contract that my hotel room would never be above the eighth floor. And the reason why is if there's a fire in the hotel and I've had a couple that I've been in that it's happened is the, mm-hmm. the fire truck ladder cannot go up <laughs> past the eighth floor. So that was just one of my little quirky things. Now they give you the advance that you have. Um, and then it goes, it goes into that. And then I have in my contract, um, d- dealed with the balance. If I didn't get paid on the day, I had whopping penalties, like a $300 late charge. And for every fourth day, another $100 late charge. And, and you're thinking, but boy, Judith, this is really wild. Here's what happens. Once the gig is over, it, it doesn't matter how great you are. It's over. And mm-hmm. the meeting planner, your host, your sponsor is on and off to other things. They're on and off to other things. And you're lucky to get paid in 45 days. That's why we did that. And and in talking to other colleagues and speaking, they have found kind of the 45-day unwritten rule is the rule. 
So you want to get paid and you have penalties. I have in my contract about handouts that they will produce them. I will supply them um, and the, what's to be produced uh, for that. So I did that. I have the responsibility that I, if, if I'm going to be picked up, I want to know who it is and their cell phone number or if I'm going to take a cab or do they have a chit service. I, I absolutely do want to know that. I have in my contract that I always had a table available for educational, and we called them educational, educational materials that it would, it would handle it that way. And I, um, that was my books. Now I always gave away stuff. And by the way, I always would ask my host, do you have a special scholarship or uh, a charity that you're tied into because, uh, you know, I would like to donate back any portion, uh, a portion of the book sales back to that cause. And so that was always a plus. Also in the contract was just all these emergency numbers that I wanted to have on that. So it, it ran a, a few pages, but it was all there. It was concise. There was no question. I never had an attorney because it was prepared by an attorney when I first started, modify, come back and question it. The one thing that I did add on because it was due to a cancellation and usually what I do when in my marketing and I'll kiss on marketing in the, in the last segment here, but in the marketing side that I uh, got in the marketing side in the setup side, if there was a cancellation, we would often reach out to other places that were a hundred to 200 miles away saying, I'm going to be in Georgia on this specific date, if you'd like to do a add-on, a program, I would give a reduced price, plus I would book the airfare altogether so everyone would get a reduced uh, price. And and that was the way it would work. If one day we had someone, the middle person, I had three in one area, uh, cancel, and that meant that I had to fly from Atlanta uh, be in Atlanta for like three days, which I did not want to be. Um, and then I would fly on to Texas versus being in Atlanta and another part of, uh, I think Alabama and then to, to this area. The, the, so we had the middle person, uh, cancel. So, and it cost me $800 to put that together, uh, to rebook it. So, we put a clause in there that if there is any cancellation and their airfare is tied on to another group and I rebook it and it's an increased cost, that the canceling group would be responsible uh, for picking up that tab. And that's what we did, and it was smart to do, and I would suggest you have something like that. So in the How to Create a Million Dollar Speech, I go into details, I pull out each clause of the contract, and I tell you why. It's there, just similar to some of the things I went through here. Uh, so you have it. Do not, and, and last, what we say is that even when I didn't speak uh, uh, for my full fee, I gave them a discount, and I did do some groups, some discounting, that I would put the full fee down, what it was, and then in it, the clause, this is what we're doing for, because I wanted them to realize they were getting a deal, and you need to understand that. My experience has been when you do the deals, those are sometimes where the pain in the neck comes from. We're going to be right back with our final segment. It's Judith Bryles. (laughs) 
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book. A book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book... If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right. Final segment, and I mentioned marketing. Here is the number one. Well, I'm going to give you two critical ways. And the power of being good. And I've always said, uh, you know, credentials. I mean, I have a master's and a doctorate in business administration. Rarely did I use that I have a doctorate. The degree that you want is G-O-O-D. You got to be good. All right. So let's assume that you are good and that it's very common for people to have to say, you know, I'm a member of a group. So you've got to get the names. You've got to follow up. You've got to do that. I've had information with um, someone who has heard me speak saying, I want to bring you to my organization. All right. Great. You get their name and you're going to have to follow up. This is how I followed up that today's environment, even when people give you their direct email and their phone number, rarely do you get them right away because most times phones go to voicemail. So I had kind of my rule of eight. It took me eight times sometimes to get through before I would say, all right, they said they wanted me, but obviously they don't. And I would move them into a more of a, you know, okay, we'll, we'll email them something once in a while, but it's over. But I would call once a week to try to get things set up. The other thing that I found most effectively, and this is what, it was a combination of three. I called, I emailed, um, and I'm snail mailed. And the secret sauce is snail mail. That do you know that, uh, today, if you go back just 10 years, 10 years is not that long ago. The amount volume of first class mail has been reduced by 50%. That means if you mail something, it pops out. So again, in, in, uh, how to create a million dollar speech, I go through the system that I use and I actually showed you, I show you in images of the postcards and I, I didn't in the old days before 
when everyone before we had email, you know, you mailed in envelopes and stuff and everyone opened it. Okay, so people don't want to open envelopes. It's too much work. Um, that I developed my whole area of my postcard uh marketing. And that since I've written several books, um, I would put uh, the books that I spoke on on the cover of the postcard. On the back side of the postcard, I wrote up, um, and I, you know, the first ones were so amateur. Oh my gosh, it amazes me what I did. But you learn, you learn. Um, I didn't even put my return address. You, ha- you need to do that because if they can't deliver them, guess what? They will come back. They will come back to you. So I, I delivered those over and I had my, you know, snail mail address. I po- I printed them uh, both in color on both sides because I put my picture on the back cover small by the return address. And then I wrote up something and it was a pitch. Just, you know, a very short paragraph pitch. I always left a little space on the back of the postcard that I could write a quick note. You know, I'll be in Iowa the week of blah, blah, blah. Let's do a program. Something like that. That was it. And then I would mail it and all my, you know, email, my phone number and all that. Right. People kept those postcards. If they are interested in you, they will keep the postcards. They're shiny. They're bright. They've got substance to the uh, paper. Um, and they're easily found. If it's a letter, I mean, look at, do you have paper on your desk? Do you have paper around you? Do you have paper in your office? We all do, don't we? Most of us do. It gets lost. It gets lost. A postcard is easily found. And I have booked more stuff getting hold of assistance saying, you know, my boss has had your postcard on her desk for the last month. Perfect. That's perfect. So the stale mail. So when I am placing the phone call, now this is the one, two, three. I'm phoning. I'm phoning, assuming I'm getting a voicemail. Okay, sure enough. And and if I don't, then I get to talk. But assuming I'm going to get a voicemail, I am already addressing the postcard. I am already addressing the postcard. I will have it done usually by the time the message that I'm listening to (laughs) is, is completed. And then I leave a very short, pleasant message and I close it off. The third thing I do is I send at the same time, you know, Hi, Susan. Um, I left a message on your voicemail just doing a quick follow-up where you said you wanted to talk about doing a program. Let's talk. And I signed it, Judith, and we're done. So one, two, three. I could do 50 of those postcards in just a smidge over an hour. And that was all the marketing I did only on the days I was in the office. Only on the days, which could be maybe just two a week. And I was usually booked ahead a year at a time. So it's not, I I think so many people get into things that are complicated and you don't need to. All right. The last part, I want to just talk about crafting your speech and, and getting it into. All right. So those is the structure. The question is, what you, what did you talk about? What are you going to talk about? All right. So write down that question. And then the next question I want you to answer is, what's the premise? 
what's the objective of your of your talk? Can you write that down in one sentence? One sentence. This is the why. So what you talk about, and then when you write down what's the premise and the objective, this is the why. This is why you're coming there to the party. And here's the layout of your talk. All right, the layout of your talk is you have the opening, which sets the message and the theme. You know, it could be contrary to popular belief. You know, I mean, when I used to talk about women undermining women, which was one of my big books, Woman Woman to Woman from Sabotage Support, where I really dealt with gender harassment and women targeting other women and creating conflict. It's what my doctorate's in. All right, so I said contrary to popular belief, Men don't discriminate. And we're going, wait a minute, everyone knows men discriminate. They don't discriminate. They'll shaft anybody. Women discriminate. They're more likely, during my nine national studies I did, over a 20-year period, women are more likely to target their own gender if they're going to be underminers, backstabbers, fill in the blank. So set your message theme. All right, then you're going to start now going down, and this is where I'm telling those of you who have who have nonfiction books, you've got chapters. Your points of wisdom are most likely your individual chapters. What are they? So I used to kind of plan anywhere from five to ten minutes to support each point. I would make the point. I would have stories or examples or statistics um, that would support it, that would come into then what kind of suggestions, what's your advice that would come in? And and you could have an exercise, an activity that you might want a group to do um, in it. And then I would repeat the point. So I would sandwich it and then I would go to the next point. And then I would structure it as I went through it. That it's it's again not complicated. Stories will is is what's going to bring it alive. Now, your story could be something you saw in a movie theater. It could be something you saw walking down the street. It could be some observation you saw in a restaurant. Um, I uh, a, a book I was working with just finished with a client of mine. Her her uh, ex husband was quite a doodler. And when they would go to, and I think probably as I say this, you've been here, you've been in a restaurant, there's a young child acting up, and you will do anything to shut that kid up. Have you been there? I've been there many times. In fact, I remember one time saying to to my own kids, if you behave that way, I would be stuffing a potato in your mouth. All right, so what do you do? Well, this is what Stan did. He would get up, he would grab a paper napkin, and he would go over, he was a cartoonist, he would go over to the child and say, hi, little guy, can you draw two lines for me? And the kid would stop, actually, Stan would give him a pen, Sharpie, draw two lines, and then he'd ask this question, what's your favorite animal? Oh, well, it's a dinosaur. And he would take those two lines and draw it into a dinosaur and give the kid the napkin. Totally changed the atmosphere in the restaurant to the uh, cheering, sometimes silently, 
of of all the people surrounding him and often applause from the table. So that, you know, kind of an example of, of when you see observing some of that. So how could you observe that and bring it into play? Well, in the confidence factor talk, I always had one of my points was you to in building your confidence, you need to learn to expect the unexpected. Observing something like that would be an unexpected. I could use that kind of story and describe it. It would put a smile on my audience face. Or, in a, you know, something else that could be, oh my gosh. But those are the kind of things, real life things are your stories. And you live them, you experience them, you create them. And that's why it's always amusing to me when I see the struggle that people go on thinking, how do I find something to fit this in? One of my classic stories uh, involved Las Vegas when we were camping, when my kids were really little, and that I um, uh, wasn't paying attention. How many of you have ever not paid attention? I ran into the butt of an elephant inside the Circus Circus uh, Hotel. They, they had critters during that time when they first came along. And I was able to tie that into for managers um, or, or teams. How many of you, when I tell that story, how many of you ever had to work with a coworker that was equivalent to running into the butt of an elephant? How many of you have ever had to manage someone that's like spending the day cleaning up elephant poop. I mean, you can do, you know, there's so much that you can do. And that's what I want to to bring that about. Now, one of the things as I get here to wrapping up that, uh, uh, do you want to do Q and a, I hate Q and a because it takes the energy away from you're on a roll, you're presenting, you're going it and you, now you've thrown it into the audience and you know, people struggling. So how do you get around it? Cause sometimes some host, uh, meeting planners insist that there be a Q and a, well, you're going to plan a few of them or you could start it yourself. You know, I had the opportunity to talk with so many of you before and I heard this question over and over and over. So let's just start with that. And you give out the question, you know what it is, you can play with it, but it loosens it up, it loosens it up, and others are ready to go. Or you could even ask a couple of audience members, you know, that, that I, I've often asked a, a, this this question, and when we get to the Q&A, um, can I just give it to you that you can go ahead and start the bowl rolling? Because sometimes people are waiting for someone else to ask the question, and there's always a few people that are game to help you out. And, and then last I want to say before we shut down, one of the smartest things I ever did is I pretend I'm the host, that I will go up there and, and and I will greet people as they come into the place that I'm speaking. Sometimes I walk them to a seat because you want to fill up the front before the back. And it's usually going to be the other way if someone's not doing that. And, and, and I make friends with them because during a talk, you want to have eyeball contact. You want to connect with them and do that. So speaking, should you do it? Absolutely. I'd love to have you with me at Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged. The dates this year are June 26th and 27th. You can find out all the details uh, on my website, thebookshepherd.com. All you have to do is click on the events tab and it's there. And if you have any questions, you know what? Call me. With that, good writing, good publishing. We'll be with you next week. 
Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. 